Alright then, welcome back to the foxhole. Fox Dragon Foxhole. Season 7, Episode 2, number 194 overall. For those of you keeping home, keeping score at home, just had a scratchy throat here, so I'm doing a little adjusting. Faithful host Ken Harlan here on a wet and rainy Friday afternoon in Eagle's Nest 2. Studio A, kicking it, TGIF in it. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for providing the tunes. Also, quick shout out to the folks at Rode and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation. For folks doing cool stuff like this around the world. You want to be on the podcast, sponsor it. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Love to have you on the show. All that stuff. Got some guests coming up here soon. Going to be cutting an interview. A nice follow-up to one of the things we did in the scene a few years back, as I've been telling you about this coming week. So I'm really looking forward to that. Going to take some time to do some research. Make sure I'm on top of my game. All right, folks. A lot going on in the world of sports. So let's get down to our weekly run through let's start with our open face you know <clears throat> i was watching that chiefs bills game and you know when everybody always talks about woke and the world gone soft and some of the people who claim they're above it who should know better how i mean i, I heard countless folks screaming and yelling once again right when the chiefs could have sealed the game and uh, was it Hardman? I think it was. It may not have been him, but anyways, fumbled out of the end zone. And everybody's screaming that it's the most unfair rule. You know, I've heard, you've heard me bitch and moan about this years on end that if you get the ball back anywhere else on the field, you should retain possession. No, you shouldn't if it's the end zone. That's what the defense is defending. They get a reward if you are stupid enough to lose possession of the ball. In the end zone. How hard is that to figure out? And you just hear these talking heads, people who are, should be should know better. And then there's stuff I've been hearing today, now that we're in championship weekend, in terms of you know, folks that get paid a lot of money and their knowledge of history, it's pretty bad. When you start seeing them discredit people like Joe Montana and elevating this era and not taking in the degree of difficulty when... You could get knocked out like Montana did in the games that he lost that some of these guys would never have to face because these hits have been outlawed. But yeah, this ongoing crying about the touchback rule to me is just one more indication of a world gone soft. It has nothing to do with being woke. It's just soft. Don't sit here and whine about the participation trophy aspect of this lifetime and, and at the same time cry about this. A lot of big business going on, as I've been telling you about in the weeks. And I don't know where the numbers are. This was kind of early once we knew that who was playing. This was like early in the week. Like the cheapest ticket for the NFC Conference Championship game, like 800 bucks, 1700 on average, and some going as high as 43K. And now that we've got so much hype and folks at Detroit, because they've never had anything to cheer for, and knowing this is their moment, 
who knows what people are paying right now. Same thing with South Carolina and LSU, which I'll get into in the next segment. But yeah, I can't emphasize enough how, I don't know what this says. Is it, it's cool that it's gotten this much attention and can generate those kind of numbers, or is it just an indictment of how vacant our society is in terms of the need to be entertained, the need to feel validated through sports? Now, obviously, I'm doing a sports podcast, so I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but as a member of the human race with some common sense, you really want to take a step back and look at this. You know, I was joking last week about our friend, the uh, community Avenger, always screaming about, I'm tired of money being spent on sports and my waste. This is absolutely ridiculous. When you think of, as I brought up the, the example last week with Caitlin Clark, in her games, that taking your significant other, and if you have offspring, I mean, we're talking seventeen hundred dollars on average. You you do the math, and that's and even in the cheap seats at seven hundred, almost eight hundred dollars a pop. Okay, that's gotta get my rant in. How about the cowboy wayward? Not the cowboy way, but the cowboy way going wayward. We knew there was going to be a lot of fallout when the, the them boys, how about them boys, were unceremoniously booted out of the playoffs. But it's interesting to see family members, and once again, you can't, it's a free country, and we all have our own individual determinations. The stuff coming out from like Micah's brother, and C.D. Lamb's mom. I mean, slinging arrows and firing bullets at Dak, the coaching staff, all sorts of things. I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, watching TV this week and hearing certain folks say, oh, it doesn't mean anything. And then, you know, some of the older boomers like, yeah, I think it is going to mean something. You don't necessarily walk away from that if you've got people slandering you, because obviously maybe you're not setting off on it, but obviously they're having those conversations with you and you're not saying, yo, man, chill out. And I think it's, you know, I mean, obviously Micah came out and said his brother's tweets are his own. I'm not sure how C.D. Lamb responded in terms of his mom coming after Dak the way that she did. But it's just rather funny. And this is what, this is what happens when you have high expectations and especially when it comes to the star, the ego that come along with comes along with those high expectations, that you get this sort of blowback. And you know that can't be good for the overall locker room dynamic. So it is going to get funny in the offseason. And speaking of the Cowboys' biggest cheerleader, who has drawn the ire of guys like Micah and C.D. Lamb, for being a fake fan, because he's not afraid to call them out. I mean, obviously, we all know that Mr. Bayless is way over the top, and a lot of it is just part of his stick. But then again, you know, there is certain, you know, he does brag that he's been a Cowboys fan from day one, going back to 1960 when they were an expansion team. But he's getting a lot of grief for his Barry slander. And I talk about Barry Sanders. And I was saying that he's overrated. And this is interesting to me because I know Lions fans don't come at me. I've always felt that way too. But when I say overrated, let's not get carried away where I'm saying he's a bum. He's definitely one of the all-time greats. But, you know, I have saw, you know, where 
the team stacked the box like the Redskins did twice the last time the Lions were relevant, he could be stopped. And there's a lot of good – okay, my Mount Rushmore, which is not complete because, you know, I got Jim Brown. I got OJ because I saw OJ play, and you know, I didn't see Jim Brown play. I got Walter Payton. Saw both of those guys play, and I'm sorry. Barry Sanders is not in that echelon. Neither is the Dick Lake, Mr. Eric Dickerson. No. There's a lot of people that are like, on, on, if you got Matt Rushmore, you got like a nice pedestal below. And that's guys like Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, Adrian Peterson, uh, Terrell Davis you know, for his short window. Curtis Martin. There's a lot of guys that are there, but I, I would not put them on my Mount Rushmore. So I don't think it's, you know, people get so butthurt. Yeah, right? And Barry was good. That's not, you know, very elusive. But, you know, when I saw the juice, and then, you know, it comes to Walter Payton, those guys are just on another level. And I get sick of people who didn't see these people play and watch the highlights, and even the folks that were in that era that are so enamored, Lions fans notwithstanding, because, you know, Detroit fans are crazy anyways when it comes to the Lions and not having much to cheer about. Of course, they're going to scream and yell. But I think Skip's not out of bounds, right? It's just an opinion when it comes down to it. I mean, I also put Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, and two. Don't forget about those guys, Earl Campbell. A lot of great running backs. And for me, the thing, especially seeing that the Lions didn't really, you know, do that much back in the days. So let's not get too carried away. Well, we didn't have a lot around them. I'm like, yeah, they made it to an NFC championship. Stop it. Not here to slander you, Barry. You deserve lots of love. You are an all-time great Hall of Famer. But you're not on my Mount Rushmore, and this is one of the rare times I actually agree with Skip. Okay. Sorry, Barry, because you do. You, I'm not. No, I'm not dogging your achievements at all. Believe me. Let me get away from this before I stick my foot in my mouth. Okay. How about T. Sizzle? I haven't talked about her too much lately because I'm trying not to be like everybody else. But I think it is interesting, the whole thing with the Swifties getting cranky and pushing back at all the hate she's receiving. But the point is, she is driving the internet football world mad in, in terms of the networks can't help it because it's all about numbers and pulling people in. Sorry, folks. As cheesy as it might be, and, you know, she is the top draw as far as popular, popular music is concerned right now. And the, the army of fans that probably never gave a rat's ass watching an NFL game who are all of a sudden tuning in and buying Kelsey jerseys, that's news to Mr. Goodell. That's, that's great news. That's great music. He's, he's doing a little waltz as far as that's concerned. And as much as we like our teams and the competitions, it is a business and it is all about making those dollars as we always talk about on this podcast. And so I understand the fatigue there, but as long as she's drawing in more fans, even casual fans that drive you up the wall, and the only reason they're watching is because they can get a glimpse, a couple of glimpses of Miss Sizzle hanging out with our girl, Britt Mahomes. Oh, well, you know, deal with it. It's not taking away from the product, and it's helping the NFL achieve its true aim or objective. Okay. 
Now this one kind of took me back. Our man, Mr. Gronk. That's right, Rob Gronkowski. Getting a little traction in our podcast. This one, talking this is a world gone soft, number two. He supports a proposed California ban that's being talked about by legislators that would ban tackle football for kids under 12. Well, gee, if we're trying to make the game safe, I get it. But maybe letting kids play at an early age and teaching them the proper way to tackle, you might be able to instill that at an early age and make the game safer that way. As somebody who played a lot of Sandlot, this makes zero sense. Now, I say, if anything, propose a ban to get rid of toxic coaches who living out their frustrations of not fulfilling what they thought they could have been, that's more of an issue than banning tackle football, right? It's all about teaching the fundamentals, and I think a lot can be gained for keeping, the thing, keeping things the way that they are. That's just me. Okay. Um, you know, this is another one, as far as open face goes, that just really took me aback. So this is an interesting week for people in their comments, and I just respond to whatever kind of data points that are floating around that I grab to sort of build my outline for the different segments we have in the show. This one comes from a soccer vlogger uh, that kind of complaining because one of the players that there was a, a couple of big trades in the NWSL recently, and she's like saying how unfair trades are. This is World Gone Soft, example number three. Oh, gee, they get uprooted because they have roots and things like that. Well, trades have always been a mechanism to make teams better. It's not like the old days where you're playing for peanuts, so you're compensated heavily, and I think it's okay. Not even think. I, what, I don't see what the problem is. These things happen. You make moves to make your squad better, so it's not okay. It's not okay to trade somebody, but if all of a sudden they get pissy and want out, that is. You can't have it both ways, people. <laughs> then this one. Then we'll have more going to say about this next week. I gotta get some more info, but we'll start with this. The next tour in XXT, I'm guessing this is, you know, the, the, the second tier for below the LPGA, they're gonna pull players whether or not to allow trans athletes to compete. Because there was a rec there was a tournament on that circuit recently where a trans athlete basically blew away the field. And they're listening to their players. I think this is really interesting. Because this is about to get very heated. And I'll be talking about this a little bit more in the weeks to come as we get closer to the Olympics and you know there's things going on with Leah Thomas and things like that. You know, I've been an advocate of the open division, and I know some people think that's unfair, but then again, there's just too many examples where there's an unfair advantage. And instead of like always trying to double down, why can't we have a little bit of compromise here, folks? You know, right? It, it, it doesn't have to always be all or nothing. Nobody's really trying to discriminate, at least from my point of view, from the folks that agree with me. We're just trying to keep a, a level playing field. Okay. 
but well, this is going to be a topic that's not going away. It's about to get a lot of legs here in the weeks to come. Probably be talking about it more later. <sighs> okay. Now we have, we'll, we'll, we'll stray away before we get to the 43K view with some other stuff going on in the world. How about the woman in Sacramento? Got busted for stealing 65 Stanley Quencher mugs. I mean, obviously that's the rage. I think I was saying a few weeks ago how that was completely over my head. And that there was miniature Stanley Cups they were that, that they were doing at Starbucks. But yeah, some woman put like 65 in a shopping cart and was just like, hell, I ain't paying for these. I'm just going to like screw it out of here. I don't know what, what you were thinking that you could somehow put 65 items that are in high demand right now in your shopping cart without paying and somebody not notice. Beyond me. Then you have the Florida House. Okay, it's controlled by the GOP. But we don't care about, you know, GOP, Democrat, whatever, Libertarian. That's not our, that's not our jam on the show. But it is our jam when the GOP-dominated House proposes a bill to ban social media for kids under 16. Now, how the hell do you think that's going to fly? And what is the penalty if they are somehow hacked their phone and are still getting their TikTok on? There are so many, I mean, yes, there's a lot of toxicity there. And I'm not sure how you fix that. That's way above my pay grade. <laughs> and most people's pay grade. But you're going to ban kids from social media after they have been basically indoctrinated by it their whole lives. Yeah. Florida be in Florida. All right, folks, we're off to a raging start. We'll be back with a high view above the campuses of America when we return. Welcome back to the Foxhole. So much better now that we've gotten back to having normal weather. And I can use Studio A again and use the Roadcaster. I have a little bit more flexibility. Always like that. Although, props to my Road Track P4. In times of in tight spaces, always good. And still cranking out the content, but... Definitely having full use of everything in the Metroplex puts a smile on my face. With that in mind, let's, let's gather our homies up. Yeah, it's raining, but we haven't been getting out in the Gulfstream 650 enough lately. So let's get our Uber. It is kind of one of those adult beverages kind of day. So we'll stop and get some ciders, stouts, and L's and IPAs for the homies. Pack our last lunch. Get through TSA. Hop on our Gulfstream 50 and take the high view over the campuses of America. A lot going on on campus as always. We'll start with this. How about the Bama exodus? You knew this was coming. You know, I spoke last week about what I, I think Kaylin DeBoer is going to do a great job, but it's going to take time. And... Judging by the number of folks that can't wait to get out of Tuscaloosa, it's definitely going to take time to, t to, let, to show what he can do from a coaching perspective to 
entice folks. I mean, people are going to always go to Bama. They still have enough folks there, I would believe, that they're going to be competitive. But you don't lose someone like Nick Saban. And folks in this mercenary age looking around the room, especially with all kinds of bags being offered, yeah, I mean, folks are just poaching. I told you about as soon as Saban walked away, you had fuck the, the clown brothers right from Colorado like, hey, come dap with us. And money talks. And as we've said repeatedly, without guardrails and adults basically putting a stop to this without saying, hey, Boomer, get off the lawn. Let us get our bag. It would be hard not to see what is going on in Alabama and other places, and some of the places that are a beneficiary. Remember a while back, I don't know how many episodes ago, but there was a point where Ryan Day and folks were whining. Well, obviously, they're not hurting for cash when you look at the hall of players they're bringing in, and they're talking somewhere that they've spent anywhere from 10 to $15 million acquiring players. So, clearly, Michigan getting in that ass for another year from the, the donors to step up and say, oh, no, we're not having this, especially with Oregon and USC and Washington coming. And people are ponying up, and the war chest is allowing them to acquire a lot of talent. It's, that's where we are, people. You know... Another thing that, that strikes me, and I'll probably revisit this repeatedly throughout the rest of the school year, but it's kind of watching basketball this week, and then just thinking about football in general. It's just like the end of the Pac-12 and how surreal it really is. You know, when you think about there was some, you know, with the big news, obviously Harbaugh leaving Michigan, and they're probably going to bring their coordinator and somebody picked a tweet about Ohio State spending this money because they're afraid of what Oregon's going to bring, and that's off. You know, nobody made that, but obviously, in the world we are, you some AI, some AI algorithm can put something out just to get clicks and get people in, in it right and cited. And but it made me think more and more. You know, all this stuff about it is going to be so weird, and it's just so wrong. Yeah, we've beat this dead horse quite a few times. But now that we've had plenty of time to distill it, it just, it, it's the epitome of this madness and why people like myself and other folks, you know, they're losing their stomach for, for what's going on as far as college sports. Now, me personally, this happened for me, you know, 20, 25 years ago. You know, I told you that from the onset of this podcast. When I saw what it was going to do to small schools like the one I went to, which gave up football in 2001, there was no way. They saw miles and miles ahead that there was no way that was sustainable. And you still wonder, you know, right, how sustainable this is going to be you know, for all the other sports. It's just as, you know, once I was saying, you know, in the last segment about our appetite to be entertained and the levels of, that we will reach into our pockets to make sure we're pacified so we can talk our trash, have our Instagram snaps, and brag to others like, yo, look at me rolling with my dogs. Wow. 
I don't know. And it's just, it's crazy. Because I sit there and think about this, you know, the whole thing going on in Arizona. You know, cash-strapped Arizona. But it's funny about one of their donors, you know, a rags to riches story and Humberto Lopez really getting cranky and talking trash to Mr. Fish, who take Mr. DeBoer's spot up there in Seattle, taking over the UW program. And to me, this little tilt, this, this little pissing contest, not that Fish gives a shit about what Lopez is thinking, but Lopez is like, I'm going to go do everything in my power to make sure you don't lose any of your guys, which that's not necessarily working. I mean, as great of a story as you've been down in the Southwest, Mr. Lopez, obviously you didn't get enough of your pals to raise enough money to give Jed an offer he couldn't refuse, right? Where you could be Don Corleone talking to the folks that had Johnny Fontaine's contract. Obviously, you didn't have that kind of juice. And it's a lovely snapshot of this mixed-up world. So you get these donors get all butthurt that it's a missionary, not missionary, mercenary, <laughs> missionary, ooh, what's my, where's my mind at? It's a mercenary world where everybody's out to cut deals, you know, for the betterment of whatever program they can, they're supporting or whatever they can get for themselves. And so to sit here and get all pissy because Washington obviously could come up with enough money and going to a conference is going to generate more money. All's love and fair, all's love and play, war, kisses, Gummy bears, panda bears, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I was speaking of the end of the Pac-12. I'm always talking about the stuff that I see on Facebook. And there's always some interesting little tidbits that come across from time to time. And this one caught, cracked me up. So there's a picture. There's a colorized photo from the Orange Bowl in 1958. This is like Oregon playing Miami, a matchup we would have loved to have seen in the modern era more times, you know, as possible, and we didn't get that. But there was a game where this was not a very good Canes team, probably not a good Oregon team, but it ended up being 2-0, Miami winning. Now, can you imagine being in the Orange Bowl? And let's say if people had enough heart to travel from Eugene, which I, I would love to know if anybody did, Sitting through a 2-0 game and walking away. Because we always talk about the classic 0-0 toilet bowl game between Oregon and Oregon State. I'm thinking this is a, right, an intersectional game that ended up 2-0. Wow. Definitely went to the uh, bar for a triple after that. Being able to sit through that. In fact, the school should have paid for everybody's round. Okay. Whew, where else are we going with this? How about Mel Tucker? I haven't talked about him for a while. This is interesting because this is like a duh. Michigan State basically announced this week that he is banned from any affiliation with the institution, meaning you can't have some job in the kinesiology department or whatever the case, which pretty much the case is that, you know, he pooped where he ate. And you know what happens when you do that. And not to no one's surprise, he's getting no sympathy from the Sparty family. You know, I mean, people, I, I was 
as they say, we're just here for the comments. I was really amazed at, you know, some of the venom that people had in terms of why he did disgracing himself going after Brenda Tracy, which I still don't know what the F that was about. You were the highest paid coach in 2020, and now seeing this level of shame and not a drop of sympathy going your way. Yeah. Okay, let's flip the script here. Let's talk some hardwood, shall we? The men's game dilemma, and this is multifaceted because there was a big game last night, and we'll, I'll get in the women's Titanic. We'll get to that in a minute. But the men's game, how it's kind of lost in the shuffle. How can you, can you tell me, ftinfx at gmail.com, name me the top five men's prospects for the NBA. Can you even name two? Do you even know who's coaching where at this point? You know, given that some of the big names who've walked away. I think men's college basketball is probably at its lowest point in my lifetime. Now, we know that the Colossus of the NFL and the other Colossus is college football has pretty much obscured anything. But it's truly interesting that now we're deeper in the conference play, almost ready to make the turn in terms of playing, going back, doing the reverse on the schedule and playing your opponents again. And there's not a lot of traction in the men's game. I know I tried to watch a couple of games here recently. I was watched Oregon a couple of times. I mean, I always watch Northridge, but that's my own, you know, that's my own passion. I'm talking about in the so-called Power Five. And, yeah, there was a game on the other night. It was like Georgetown and Butler. And then, you know, obviously Georgetown's a shadow of itself. But I just thought that there's just no energy here. Unlike what's going on with the ladies. And more on that in a minute. But yeah, I just feel there has something needs to be done in terms of making the men's game more appealing, aside from when we get to the three week dash that is March Madness. It's a major problem, and I'm sure the networks are thinking about that. And I don't know how you handle that. You know, with one, the transfer portal, folks boogie into the NBA when they can if they've got game. But yeah, they're just, it's dead. Okay. As far as the rankings go, UConn's one, Purdue's two. Then you've got, before I get to the women, you've got Pitt. Getting under the skin of the Cameron crazies. You know, Pitt got a big win, obviously. They're not having a lot of success with Duke over the years. And just, you know, I give Shire credit for not rising to the bait, but some of the players on Duke and some of the alumni crying and whining and stuff like that. Look, folks, yeah, we could have curbed this a long time ago in terms of curbing how players and fans act as far as a conduct goes. We're far beyond that. And you just have to have a thick skin and take it with all the amount of emotion that goes on right now. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, what happened with Ohio State knocking off Iowa and Miss Clark got decked in a court storm. You know, I have plenty to say about the court storm here a little bit later. But, yeah, it, it, it's just... We have the, we're, there's so much emotion tied up in it. We talk about the money, 
and obviously the emotions and things like that, that folks are going to like let that energy out. I've got a lot of things to say about that, but let's talk something else here before we get really deep into the editorializing. How about Tara Van D, Stanford? It's kind of been a while since that program has made a lot of noise, but she has been at her job for a long time, and she passes Coach K with the most wins at 12.03. Quite the achievement there, props there. The interesting thing is, Gino has 1196. And then I don't know what happened last night, but when we were putting this together. So it makes me wonder who's going to end up with the most wins. I got to think Gino, if he decides the coach is going to. I don't know how long Tara wants to coach. You know, even if she coaches longer, I think Connecticut's going to have a better program. So I figure, what is he, seven behind right now? Yeah, if, I'm, if I was betting. I'd say Gino's going to end up passing her and ultimately ending up with the most wins. Or who knows, maybe they'll just duke it out for the next decade. Like I said, I mentioned the whole Oklahoma State, Iowa. There's a lot of people talking about the need for court disturbing, and I've got something to say about that in a closer look. But yeah, that's pretty scary stuff. And we've been talking about this for a long time in terms of... <laughs> If you don't get this situation with crowds under control, something ugly is going to happen, and we're really fortunate that she didn't get hurt bad. So, okay, big story. South Carolina and LSU, a battle of heavyweights. And so this is to back to my point about the men's game dilemma. This game had people, and we're talking men, who used to never give a shit about women's college basketball. Outside for hours. I mean, this was like the atmosphere of the Rolling Stones coming to a college campus and playing. I know that's kind of passe probably with this crowd, but we'll say T-Sizzle then, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, that's the kind of atmosphere it had. And the game lived up to its hype with South Carolina outdueling LSU. I think the key there was Angel Reese, the queen, fouling out late. And once that happened her presence and just that she is truly their closer, they were able to outduel the rest of the folks, including HVL, who made some clutch shots but didn't have a lot of money at the end of the game. But it really shows what where the women's game has gone. Because people were talking about this, and you know a lot of these players on these teams, whether it's Iowa, LSU, South Carolina, you know, props to, to Miss Don. You know, right, that basically, you know, with all the people she lost, still having an undefeated team, and the way they went in the Baton Rouge getting a W. So let me flip it to this point. So there's a great point that was made this week in terms of the media rights deal that the NCAA just made with ESPN. And there's a lot of folks that feel women's hoops is getting shortchanged in this and I have to think, yeah, when you see the kind of hype that's, that's surrounding games like we saw last night, anytime Miss Clark plays, and the fact that the men's game isn't getting any traction, you have to think there's got to be some pushback there. I, mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just judge the folks that are complaining about this. Obviously, must know something 
and something I promise to look a little bit more into. But it makes me wonder, is there going to be some type of adjustment in terms of the popularity of this, and, right? And the fact that they can make more money staying in school and getting the NIL money and whatever else the, the, the smart sponsorship deals brings them because the WNBA is just not their salary-wise yet. And so, yeah, I can hang, kick it in college for a few more years and make the product a lot more attractive. And you have to wonder, are they going to get argue for a bigger piece of the pie? All right, that's what's going on high on campus. We're going to park the Gulfstream 650, straddle back into the studio, something you should probably know on the other side. Interesting week here in the foxhole. At least the weather's a lot better, a lot warmer. People getting their power back, getting 50-degree temperatures, and not to sound like Streaker Bell, like, you know, a 40-degree day, but the way how cold it's been, yeah, there's a reason to be happy. Anyway, let's do one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know... Or things that happened in the sports world this past week you might want to know or care about. Huh. Well, how about Nick Dunlap? Becomes the first amateur to win on tour in 33 years by taking the American Express at La Quinta. Mind you, amateurs have only won five times in the modern era. And I think this goes back to like 1950 or something like that. Quite the show. You know, Obviously, you only got to see little snippets of it. But, yeah, he was pretty clutch at the end. You know, there was, as many people pointed out, that was a definitely a chokeable putt on 18th on the 72nd hole. And homie brought it home. And to no one's surprise, at he won the tournament, realized what he lost out on, as far as a payday is concerned, being an amateur and all. He said, okay, see you, school. Time to, like, join the tour, because obviously winning that tournament gives him in a, a place on this, a, a tour spot maybe 2026, I believe it is, and it just makes too much sense. You know, with the kind of money that's out there, yeah, I can't blame the kid. Probably said, damn, I could I could have had a nice bag. And so now joins the tour, Gets all kinds of sponsorship. Gonna get a nice bag, and if he wins again, you know, obviously this kid's got game. Good for him. Rory bounced back, winning his fourth Dubai Desert title. So, looking forward to seeing what Rory Boy does in the majors. I think it's kind of interesting that the Live is partnering up with a Vegas betting integrity firm to monitor irregularities in betting terms during this upcoming season. 
this one makes my head scratch. So, how do I say this? The live tour and the big bags they were giving out to tour members. Who the hell is gonna have time to talk with somebody sleazy and come up with a some kind of betting scheme to enrich them? So, I'm not necessarily sure why you're dumping money to make sure everything's on the level. Aren't you offering an insane amount of money to all of these guys to where the idea of putting that in jeopardy? I mean, even someone like Phil, a degenerate gambler, or somebody with a coke problem, that you've got so much money, it's, I doubt it would ever matter as far as getting yourself caught up in something that would draw the ire of folks in terms of irregular betting trends. Excuse me. Yeah, that does not really make a lot of sense to me. But, okay. All in the interest of integrity and legitimacy, I suppose. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Now, this one makes me giggle. So, the Anthony Kim rumors that I talked about a while back, they are true. He is training to make a comeback on either the PGA or the Live. My guess is it's going to be the Live, as I just pointed out and continue to about the amount of money, and they'll take any name that's willing to come over there because, obviously, the money pit over in Saudi is bottomless. And so, Anthony Kim, you want to come on down? That's one more name we can add to the roster. I'm just glad, you know, whatever he's gone through, that, you know, physically and mentally, he's feeling, you know, adroit enough to make, to make an attempt at this. And especially from the lip perspective of it, well, hey, you're probably, your lady's probably looking at you, boy, you better go grab those clubs. There's money to be made out there. Just saying. Okay. So we had UFC 297. Big bout there. This was Mr. Sean Strickland. Yeah. He got upended by Dracus Duplessis. Wins by decision. A lot of folks saw the other way that Strickland got robbed. Oh, well, that may still have to be maybe a rematch or a trilogy or whatever the case may be. But hey, you know, it was kind of an upset and moved the needle as far as the UFC is concerned. Looking forward to 298, 299, and obviously the magical 300. And then whenever Connor decides to show his face over there again. But the thing that's funny is it doesn't bother me one bit, but once again, when I talk about a world god mad being truly vacant in terms of what people are willing to waste money on, apparently Drake, yeah, that Drake, he lost like almost $710,000 on a bet. He took Strickland and it didn't go his way. So, of course, he's kind of hot with it being a controversial decision. Gee, my heart really bleeds for somebody that can blow almost three quarters of a million betting on a UFC fight. But if you if you if you got if you got them, smoke them as they say, right? Okay, so we got Netflix signing a five billion dollar deal to cover WWE live events. Netflix now. Plus, it gets muscle as far as getting into the live sports game. Is this a big deal or no? It is a big deal. 
you know, obviously a lot of wrestling fans, but the fact that Netflix is willing to take the plunge that Apple, Peacock, and other streaming services have done, and who knows where this is going to lead as the next round of deals for respective leagues, tours, tournaments, and the like. Yeah, I mean, $5 billion is nothing to sneeze at. So if they got that kind of gene, you know they're probably going to try to get their tentacles into other sports. Makes sense, right? Okay. Down under the first major of the Grand Slam tennis season. A lot going on down there. Week went on okay at first for our heroes, the Joker, the tennis Joker, that is. And, you know, America's most, how shall I say, unheralded <laughs> champion who's kicking ass, but nobody seems to know. I don't see her in enough commercials, Mr. Co Miss Coco Goff. Both were running her very well until we get to the semifinals, where in Coco's case, oh man, Miss Samalinka bringing some heat. That was a great match. I was up late talking to my roomie. And obviously, had it up on the big screen. And what was very competitive, you know, on there, won in straight sets. I was just like going, damn. And Coco had been on quite a run. So tomorrow, Sabalika will face Zing Queen in the women's final. Over on the men's side of it, gee whiz. What about the Joker getting worked by Yana Center? Who, you know, gee whiz, and Yannick Center, I should say. I mean, I think this guy has beaten Joker like three out of the last four matchups. And once again, he has somebody that has his number. I, you know, I was kind of like watching that out of the corner of my eye last night. I was just like going, damn, I think the Joker is not going to have enough money here. And so that's going to be interesting. And the other side of the semifinal block, bracket, yeah, Daniel Medvedev, or yeah. And Alexander Zerver, or how, you know, I butcher these names. You know, obviously, don't listen closely enough so I can get the pronunciations right. But basically, Mr. Alexander Z, as we'll say for right now, he will be facing Mr. Sinner in the final. And so I'm looking forward to both of these finals over the weekend as we've got a smorgasbord of sports coming up. Okay. Got our girl, Michaela Schifrin, posting her 95th win in Slovakia. Always posting the W's. And apparently, dodged a bullet today. She almost you know, had a crash, and they were really worried about ligament damage, but everything came back negative. So, you know, I'm sure a little rest, and she'll be back to posting those W's. Okay, we'll close out with this one, because we always got to get a little gamble again, since I don't have any doping, at least... Not in this part to say. I mean, I think there is some somewhere. But how about Patriots wide receiver, Deshaun you know, Bowie, getting arrested for illegal gambling when he was at LSU? <laughs> it's kind of been in the back. He didn't really do much with the Patriots. But, you know, obviously he was using some alias and he was betting on his own team and other games, which is highly frowned upon when you're a college athlete. You can do a lot of things now, but that's not one of them. And, you know, I could see it back in the day, 
You're right. Well, assess the school at LSU where you're getting taken care of. I, I can't see it. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Or, I don't know. Is it that hard to get your buddies to place the bets for you in your little entourage or your posse? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm getting arrested. I'm kind of wondering what the ramifications are going to be from a legal perspective. You know, is it going to be a fine? Is he looking at time in the Gary Bar Hilton? Well, as soon as we know, we'll drop that to you. Okay, we're going to return with the NBA beat when we're on the other side. Yeah, we're all over the place. Bear with me. Still having some issues getting our getting our boards together and some of the devices we're using incorporating new music. So if that sounded a little bit wonky, we're still working out a little bugs there. Hey, you know what can you do when you're on a string <laughs> a shoestring budget? But have fun and continue to crank out high fidelity content on a weekly basis. Let's talk some hardwood. NBA beat. Wow. Another crazy week in the association. The Bucks firing Adrian Griffin after 43 games. A 43-game span where he was 30-13, and 13, number two in the East with the likes of Dame Dallahalla and the Freak. But apparently, once they got rid of Mr. Holiday, the defense was in the toilet. Nobody was happy. And Griffin becomes the victim of the third shortest tenure in league history. A lot to unpack here. Is Giannis a coach killer? Dame in the mix as well now? Yeah, gotta wonder. And hiring Doc because they feel bringing in a veteran coach, even though Doc has his shortcomings, as we've discussed on this podcast many times. Man, this is a tough one. When somebody's 30 and 13 and number two in the East, obviously something's working. But it was pretty clear after the play-in tournament, as many people have talked about this week, you know, the freak wasn't happy. And when Giannis ain't happy, and the fact that it is Milwaukee, and Giannis is always kind of looking Hiding the clouds, I'm like, God, oh, LA's cool, New York's cool, South Beach is cool, Dallas is cool. Yeah, Giannis wants something, it's going to happen. And there were a lot of folks, including the irascible SAS, Stephen A. Smith, who said that he would be surprised if Mr. Griffin lasted a year. But still, talking about knee jerk reactions. I mean, this sounds like some soccer kind of nonsense. And even then, even soccer teams usually aren't this bad. Usually, it's because it's a dumpster fire. Although there are times when there are successful teams and there's just a lot of discord in the locker room. And obviously, in this particular case, like Doc, 
and his propensity to lose 3-1 leads. And it has been a little while since he won a title with the Celtics and his shortcomings after that with the Clippers and then the 76ers. But, hey, I'm not going to dog it, the bro for getting another gig. You know, obviously, they want you know somebody that can come in here. Really weird to see the players dancing and cabbage patching right at the start of the next game. Happy that Griffin was gone, which I thought was pretty classless, but also a strong indicator of the amount of dislike they had for that man. So, like I said, a lot to unpack there. Also, the Wizards, another disappointment. Maybe not as bad as the Pistons, but they are in the, they, they are sharing the same condominium when it comes to fertility in the 23-24 season. They have relieved Wes Unsell Jr. of his coaching duties and have kicked him up to the front office. And now Brian Keefe has been promoted to be interim head coach. Obviously, they're probably going to move on and go for a bigger name. But I think last time I checked, they were like 7-35 seven, seven or 7-36. They're just going to take their hits and see what kind of star they can acquire in the draft and go from there. Yeah, crazy. So, will there be pushback on the NBA's 65-game rule? You know, we talked about a few podcasts back where if you don't play 65 games, you ain't eligible for the hardware. And we're starting to get into that situation where folks, because whatever load management or nicks and bruises they get as we get closer to the halfway mark, where this is really coming into play. And I've got to think that this is a rule that's not long for the books. I understand why Mr. Silver did that. I mean, obviously, load management, as we've talked about ad nauseum, it's kind of a bad thing in terms of it being a disservice to the fans who pay their hard money. As we've spoken many times, <laughs> going to a sporting event ain't cheap anymore. And so, like the other night, when LeBron didn't play against the Clippers, and this is maybe the only time you get to the crib, you're going to feel a little bit cheated. And I don't know what the compromise is going to be, but I have a feeling when certain folks, and we know how quickly people get butt hurt, don't get a chance to like have the hardware and they had a kick-ass season and there's some folks out there who already have missed some significant games like Mr. Embiid comes to mind. Imagine the tipper tantrum he would throw. What do you mean I'm not eligible for this because I have legitimate injuries? Sure you did. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting topic as we get to the offseason. Okay, we have Katie. You know, he's been healthy, give him a lot of credit, bouncing back from his injuries. He came out this week and said he should be in the GOAT conversation. He's tired of being punished for joining a loaded Golden State team that had already won a championship. You know, and it's an interesting thing because, you know, when I was watching Undisputed, Keyshawn, like he knows anything about basketball, you know, came to his defense like he usually does when it comes to the jocks. But I think... His point has to be taken seriously here for a moment in terms of, is he being punished? Because he is truly, you know, one of the 
top talents of all time. I don't know whether he's a top 10. I don't think he's in my top five. He may not be in my top 10. It just depends on how hard I think about it. But he's somewhere nearby. I mean, I'm not going to argue. And so, yeah, he is getting punished. Now, the flip to the cynics like myself, you should get punished for blowing a 3-1 lead when you when you were in Oklahoma City because you would have been able to like end the deal there. You have been in some situations like in Brooklyn where you didn't get it done. You joined a team that won 73 games. So in spite of your ability, those are always going to be negatives. You can't change that. And I know you guys that get into your feelings and feel you can drive the narrative. It doesn't work that way. And while it may not be fair, it's a reality. <laughs> right? Now, the Warriors probably don't win against LeBron if you don't go off. And if you don't get hurt, they probably win against Toronto, even deepening the legacy they've already built. Deepening, gee, that's not what I wanted to say, but you get what I mean. <laughs> so, yeah, Katie. It is truly unfair. I am with you 10,000%. But you did this. And if you had gotten it done in Oklahoma City, Brooklyn, you have a chance in Phoenix. Because I don't, you know, obviously you're with, you know, Book. But it's not like, you know, LeBron, Kobe, Kobe getting two rings. You know, with, with Pal Gasol and a bunch of chumps. I shouldn't say that. These are my boys. But, you know, that's, that's the perception. <sighs> Feel free, Katie. All right. I've I probably <laughs> had too much to say about that. So there is a doping one. How about the Cavs' Tristan Thompson in his second stint with the team getting 25 games for what? Testing positive for PEDs. You are kind of yoked, man. So... Okay, as far as one of the court, speaking of Brooklyn, you know, they beat the Lakers last week, which I thought was one of the Lakers' worst losses, and it looked like they were about to give the Clippers a equally bad loss on that Sunday, but then they decided to go to sleep, and the Clippers keep their magical run going with a 22-0 run. Speaking of KD, going 40 and a big win over the Pacers. That was kind of cool also to see Mr. Wimby. We haven't spoken a lot about him. But, okay, it was over the Wizards. But you know what? You know, he had like 18 in the second half. So it's always good to see him start to live up to his potential. Monday, obviously the anniversary of Kobe's historic 81. And the Kobe effect always takes place because folks get it in their head. So, okay, let me see what I can do on Kobe Day. And Mr. Embiid going for 70-15. 70. Yeah. I know, I did it in like 37, 38 minutes or something like that. So, and then, which I, I mean, like I said, Embiid going for 70, I was like, wow. And the same night, Cat, you know, up there in Minnesota, he dropped, he, he goes for 62. But it's all for naught because too busy being happy feeding him to see how many points he could get 
the Wolves somehow blow a 14 lead and lose to a very ter- 14 point lead and lose to a terrible Hornets team. As Cat had four in the fourth quarter, and their coach, Mr. Finch, sounded off on the loss, calling the team immature. <laughs> right? And I, I, I'm going to have to agree. Too focused on Kobe Knight and not winning the game. Nice to see that kind of honesty in this day and age. And that's what's so weird about the Kobe effect. Because a lot of times, you know, people get caught up and say, hey, can you get to 81 or how many can you get? <sighs> okay. Yeah, Finch was not happy. Kind of wonder what the uh, locker room conversations following that were like. All right. LeBron, tabbed for his 20th appearance in the All-Star game. Normally, as they said on TV this morning, and I, or yesterday I think it was, and I'm fully in agreement with, normally this wouldn't be a big deal. It's like, okay, you're going to the All-Star game. But the fact that he's playing at a All-Star level at this point in his career, that is significant. And he passes Kareem. So and who may, you know, he's probably going to end up getting to 21, 22, 23, which is crazy because... You know, the only time he wasn't in the All-Star game, I think, was when he was a rookie. And so every year, he's been an All-Star for what that's worth. They said he load-managed, and, they, and the Clippers won, and now everybody thinks they own L.A., which is absolutely ridiculous, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> Kawhi did have a triple-double on that game, like his first since 2021. You know, what is the truth when it comes to the Clippers and the Lakers? There is no truth until the Clippers win a championship. I'll say it once, I'll say it a million and two times. When they start winning, not one, not two, but maybe three or four, then we can have a conversation. Otherwise, have fun in in the new dome that Mr. Microsoft King has built for you and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they have a window, and I'm not going to dismiss the talent that they have and the way that they've played. But until they actually win something, I don't really give a damn. And that my bias is coming through here because I do not like that franchise and I never will. It's okay though. I mean, I'm giving them props in terms of I do think they have a legitimate chance. But as we like to say, show me. I am from Missouri. The Pels putting up 153 on a jazz squad we thought was up and coming. What the hell is that all about? Then we got Luca. Night before last, overreacting in the loss of the Suns and having somebody thrown out because he said, hey, you're looking tired. Get your ass on the treadmill. Now, he says there may have been some other things said as well, which I think there were, you know, or, or maybe the fact you were just frustrated because Book was cooking your ass and Book had 46 in that game as the uh, Suns beat the Mavs 132-109. And, yeah. Now, that's becoming a really heated rivalry between those two squads. And then you have the Knicks roasting the defending champs last night. Almost beat them by 40. This must have been one of those nights where the Nuggets were just like, yeah, okay, I ain't got it. And the Knicks are playing well. It was in the garden. But it's still kind of surprising to see them lose by 39. All right. That's what's going on in the hardwood. We'll hit you up with some beautiful game life when we return.
Ah, daydreaming there for a second. Whew. Yeah, it's a Friday night. Like I said, it's a little bit, a little bit rainy. Um, big weekend, obviously. Conference championship weekend. A lot going on in the pitch. As you know, we definitely starting to ratchet up league play again. As we start thinking about the big competitions. MLS is coming here soon and all that kind of stuff. So let's segue into the beautiful game life and let's go pitch side. Wow, this one, there's a lot to unpack with this first point. FIFA chief Gianni Infantino says, fans who engage in racist behavior should be made to forfeit games. Hello? Have, what have we been saying on the foxhole forever? Yes, the only way you can get rid of this nonsense is to really make it punitive. And I mean forfeits, and he, I think Gianni should go a step further. I mean, he did kind of allude to stadium bans. But yeah, I think you should, A, forfeit, and there should be not one, but maybe five or six matches where the folks cannot see their beloved club. And it should not even be even televised. Make it punitive, and you put this nonsense to rest once and effing for all. Right? It just, I mean, it, it, it just getting too, it's too, it's lazy not to, to do this. When it's a problem, and, you know, the effect it's having on the players, and it just there's no place for that. There's plenty of ways to insult folks and get your hooliganism on without being a racist piece of shit. You know, right? I know you're trying, I mean, maybe you are that person, and if you are, you suck. And if you're trying to do it to get under a player's skin and rattle him, you're even a bigger piece of shit. No way around this. And I think, yeah, come with the big guns. You make this harsh enough on folks, and you can easily figure out if somebody's, you know, trying to fake, you should probably get your ass killed, you know, trying to, like, you know, pretend you're another fan saying racist stuff. You probably get your head bashed in if it costs people a match and the deny the, the ability to watch over, you know, a, a five or six game span. So, yeah, I am so down with this. Make it very punitive and maybe folks will think before spouting nonsense out of their mouth. All right. United States men's team in the January camp faced Slovenia and San Antonio, lost 1-0. This was, as I told you a few weeks back, it was going to be an MLS squad. And, uh, and of course, the peanut gallery screaming and yelling and coming down on GB. It's so annoying, right? We're not at a full clip. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen an MLS-driven squad at least scratch on a draw, but they didn't. Um, the negativity, if they had won, the peanut gallery would have found something negative to say because this is how they roll. We all know that. But yeah, it kind of was really ho-hum, and I was disappointed. Now, obviously, being a major advocate for the MLS, but it is what it is. You know, it's not the end of the world. You know, obviously... There could be plenty of other competitions in this calendar year 
to see what kind of progress GB is making with the squad. So, as they say, stay tuned. Okay, so it is official. Chicharito, that's right, that Chicharito, Mr. Hernandez, becoming the latest to join Chivas. Kind of going around the belt, going back to where it all started for him. I think that's a good move, as obviously there's probably no place for him with the Galaxy in terms of the direction they need to turn to become relevant in a world dominated by LAFC and the City of Angels, right? So props to him. Going to be hanging out you know, with my man from Ceres, who just recently joined him. Chivas, and that's just really interesting as the synergy between these two leagues becomes closer and closer, and you're going to, I think, see a lot more movement as it's an option, especially if the dollars are there. We've got Inner playing a couple of friendlies last week. Played to a 0-0 draw, but I think it was, uh, was it El Salvador. Yeah, it was kind of surprising there. Of course, the bigger news was Messi as an entourage hanging out with Sophia V afterwards and living their best lives. And that, that got more traction than the actual game. And then Inter-Miami loses again to FC Dallas. But once again, the attention that people are paying to the MLS because of Messi this time of year. Sorry, haters, because you weren't paying attention and some of you were probably watching. That can't be a bad thing. Speaking of LAFC, JT came out and said, you know, Acosta ain't coming back, but they're going to try to find a way to, they're, ta they're, they're talking to Vela. Now, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's kind of a hint saying that Carlos V, the first player in LAFC history, ain't returning, or they're going to find some way to keep him on just because of who, what he means to the club. I get the sense it's probably time to move on. How about Sporting Kansas City? Backtracking on the hire of Gavin Wilkinson. Right? He was part of the dirty laundry that came from the Portland sex scandal with the thorns and the timbers. And after like eight days, the powers that be, listening to their fan base and the outrage, said the sex scandals and all the bad publicity that came from it was too much to overcome. So they're just like saying, nah, bro, we got to keep the peace with our fans. You know, I don't necessarily think the fans are always right, but when it comes to stuff like this and, and what they're willing to put up with, obviously, there's some traction there. And, you know, don't know what that means for Gavin's future in terms of employment is concerned, but, yeah, that's kind of definitely a blow. It is pretty impressive, though, I must say, in terms of the MLS, and like I said, I'm an advocate for that league whenever I can be, that people say all the time, the peanut gallery especially, and the other jackasses in, so in, in soccer Twitter and social media about what a joke league it is. But if it's such a joke league, how does it have four teams that have a valuation over a billion dollars? That's a lot better than a lot of clubs out there. So, yeah. And the, yeah, I know it makes you folks that are pro well right, disciples. <laughs> and, uh, and it's the hill you will continuously die on and that makes you sick to your stomach to see that because it tells you why if your franchise is worth a billion dollars in American sport why, why would you put it at risk 
playing in a system that's pro that's pro rel. Yeah, it's a closed system for a reason. People can make money. We can argue till we're blue in the face in terms of the actual quality of the product. But as I've said here a million times, once they loosen up the, the roster rules and open up the purse strings, you will definitely have a have and have not situation that the quality of the league will rise. And folks are always looking at it. The fact that you've got Benzema and Griezmann's and folks like that just sitting there like going, you know, how can I get on this MLS train? It's going to be curious to see the folks who hop on in the, in the windows to come, right? I, I have suspicion that in the summer window, when it opens up, you're going to see some big names join the MLS. So we're all looking forward to that. The folks that are going to be out of contract, all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now this is interesting as we go across the pond. Bayern Munich losing at Werder Bremen. And now they trail Leverkusen by seven points. Time to take notice. One, that Bayer, Le that Bayer Leverkusen is still unbeaten in all competitions. And now we have to give some serious thought that maybe somebody can unseat Bayern and take the Bundesliga crown. Yes, it's January 26th, and seven points ain't that much. But, hey, we can at least start to believe it's a possibility, especially if Leverkusen keeps balling the way that they are. PSG this week, no league match, but they had, you know, the Coupe de France. Played U.S. Orleans. It was kind of competitive for a bit. You know, PSG kind of slogging through, but I think they ended up winning 4-1. Big news with the Reds and Jurgen Klopp leaving. I want to get some more detail about that for the uh, next episode. But he's going to be through to the end of the season. But they got a gritty win at Bournemouth without Mosala, and they retained their lead in the EPL. But yeah, you know, Jurgen Klopp leaving at the end of the season definitely get deeper as far as that goes next week. Los Blancos get a late winner. That's Real Madrid for you folks out there who don't know the, the, the lingo. They get a late winner, and they keep pace with the surprising Girona. Still, it's shocking, folks. We'll leave you with this one. You know, you've got you know the Afrikan, Afcon going on right now. How about Egypt sacrificing a cow to <laughs> better their luck in this competition? Yeah, sure, the animal rights folks are going to have a field day with that one. Okay, that's what's happening at pitch side. We'll return with the nightfall of diamonds on the other side. To the foxhole. Take a little break here before we get into some nighttime action. As I see the Golden Knights and the Rangers are on ESPN Classic. 
Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue into another one of our favorite segments, the Nightfall of Diamonds. Got to start with our hippie reference. Where shall I go? Hmm. Well, last night got a little couch tour in. Some biscuits, one of my favorites. Kicking off another West Coast tour after not coming to the West Coast for like a decade and a half, two tours within six months. Yeah, that, that's a Biscuits-like thing to do. Providing audio streams and not video on the West Coast, which is kind of weird, but so we were up late last night, and I kind of think that, no, I'm starting to show my age. You know, West Coast shows start out at you know, probably 9 o'clock or so, and you know, my set break, oh. <laughs> I can't. Imagine how tough it must be for East Coasters trying to listen to an audio stream <laughs> or a video stream. You got to work and, you know, the show doesn't start till like midnight. You know, it's always great when they're on the East Coast because um, of fun stuff going on there. And still kind of waiting to see if the Snooze Factory is going to announce its residency at the Spear. Everybody that claims to have all this intimate knowledge about that. Still hasn't happened yet. All right, let's get to the real life fall of diamonds. So Prime cuts a deal to stream MLB, NHL, and NBA games. Is that a big deal? Yes, it is. As I was saying earlier, with Netflix trying to muscle in, I think Prime, obviously, with its Thursday night game and some of the other areas where they've gotten their feet wet that kind of really making a push for MLB that's something to take notice of and why not if you offer a nice menu of games and you can have you can do it like MLS does in a multi-tiered way where you can buy the package but you always throw a couple of free games out there for the cheapskates that don't want to buy the package and I'm thinking, it's a win-win for folks. Considering that all these deals like, you know, Bally, Diamond, and all this other stuff really weren't what they were cracked up to be. Hold on. Right, they weren't cracked up to what they were supposed to be. And Prime, obviously, the Bezos empire, <laughs> just like the Saudis, a bottomless pit when it comes to money. Yeah, I think this is a win-win, and there's, as I just said, there's multiple ways they can go about giving access to people as far as games go. So, it's cool there. We have the Hall of Fame drops this week. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton all heading to Cooperstown. Cool, cool beans there. Um... A lot to unpack here, as always. With Beltre, the former Dodger, started his career out and went on to greater heights afterwards. I don't have a problem with his with his stat line. I mean, 286, 477 knocks, 1,770 ribs, 3,000 hits. That's legit as it gets. Where I have a problem is that dude was a juicer. 
there are certain instances where he somehow got under the radar. There was always suspicion, especially with, you know, bouncing back from certain injuries and putting up some great numbers when he was with the Dodgers. I've always said, okay, we're not, we, why aren't we questioning this guy? But you're looking at A-Rod, Bonds, and Clemens and people like that. I mean, anybody in this era, he's a prime example of why you need to, like, get over, get over yourselves and let Barry, Roger, A-Rod in. Maybe some of these other guys, or, but he's just one more example of folks that I look at their numbers and I have a great deal of suspicion about. Then I look at Maurer. Okay, solid catcher in that era, but when I stack him up to, and this is like going through the various eras of baseball, Maurer is 306. 143 knocks, 923 ribs, and 2,100 hits. Does not stack up well, other than having a 300 lifetime average. When you think about Barra, his average isn't there, but Barra had 358 knocks, 2,100 hits, 1,400 runs batted in, almost 1,500, you know, close to it. Not to mention he played on 10 world championship teams. Okay, Barrow's on a whole universe by himself. Not fair. Now look at Bench. A little bit later. 267. Okay, you got him on average. But when it comes to Knox, Bench had 389. The hits, eh, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, I'm not going to split hairs there, right? But like the Ribbies, this bitch had almost 1,500 ribbies, which is always, you know, he had 1,376, but if you're close to 1,500, you're, you know, 100 or so off. That was close enough, especially for a catcher. Piazza, 308, so comparable on average, but Piazza had 427 knocks. Hits are all about the same, and Piazza had like about 1,350 runs batted in. So, Mauer's his numbers don't stack up to me. And I, that's where I'm like wondering with the Hall of Fame criteria sliding and sliding. Oh, he's a good guy. He did this. But other than having a 306 batting average, these numbers, ugh. I look at Todd Helton, and I'm like, uh, you know, okay, my first baseman, you know, it's hard for me because I always look at Lou Gehrig's numbers and, wow. <laughs> but, you know, 316, 369, 1406, 2519. That's all. You know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I could quibble a little bit, but yeah, I could make a case for him more than I could for Maurer, different positions, but, but in terms of Maurer, it looks a little shady to me, is all I'm saying. Okay. Mr. Chapman, after, his, after helping the Rangers win their first championship, He's on his way to joining the Pirates. This has a one-year deal. Interesting sighting there. I'm like, the Pirates? But you're 35. Kind of interesting still. In terms of where he could, you know, go at this point in his career. I think it's kind of funny. The Giants is flipping gears here. Getting the ire of everybody in Dodgerland. They're having a mouse a mouse series promotion. Excuse me, woof. When the Dodgers come to 
do uh, Oracle Park in June. Dodger fans are a little bit cranky, you know, saying, ah, oh, you're all jealous. I'm like, hey, let the Giants have a little bit of fun. They obviously don't have the war chest that the folks in L.A. do that can get a Otani and Yamamoto and some other pieces. Yeah, it's all fun between the two franchises. Settle it on the field. This is funny. I talked about this earlier, and now it's confirmed. About this, I mean, an earlier podcast, I should say. The Mets are gonna fu- are going to honor Doc and Straw, but on separate nights in April and June, as opposed to giving them, as opposed to both of them sharing the spotlight. All I can say about that is kind of weird that they're not doing it on the same night. And also, strippers and drug dealers start making your plans. Ooh, that was not fair. Because there are supposedly better men than that now. But yeah, if it was back in the day, the strippers and dealers would be having a field day. But okay, they're going to be on around separate nights in April and June. Definitely will have a lot to say when that actually happens in terms of the reaction these guys get. Always thought it was odd, you know, that but what they did in 86, that they also got some love with the Yankees later on. You know, being able to be part of championship teams in the Bronx and in Queens. Kind of interesting. What a career there. <laughs> so, you know, going flipping back to Yamamoto, what is the real expectation for him? And there's all this talk about how much he's costed, but what do we really expect and I sort of like looked into what people are saying and I think because you know obviously the days of people winning 20 games <laughs> that's probably over with and somebody pitching enough innings to get to you know 300 strikeouts but I'm guessing if he could somehow have 15 or 16 wins you know obviously pitch 200 plus innings that would probably be a pretty good season it's really hard to gauge you know what the standard for pitching is right now because you know we're in a period of transition in terms of what we used to consider the standard and what the standard is moving forward in terms of numbers and expectations for, for a player okay one more in terms of you know i do, do i was stuck in the hall of fame but you know every week now that as we get closer to the season i'm always looking back in the past looking at injustices and just because of this whole voting process versus the hall of fame or mvps how wacky it is so let's go in our time machine let's go back to 1962. maury wells had an incredible year for for the dodgers this he set the standard for stolen bases which was 104 which lou brock broke and then ricky henderson smashed after that so there was something to be said about that it was like 299 Right, you know, what did he have? Uh, God, he didn't have that many knocks. But he, so, yeah, he had like six knocks. Uh, I think he had 208 hits. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he had 48 runs batted in. And obviously, the 104 stills is what which propelled him. But you look at what the Say Hey Kid did, Willie Mays, to you and everybody else in the... Mind you, the Giants won the pennant because there's always the argument, well, in Ted Williams' case, well, DiMaggio led his team to the pennant. Willie leads his team to the pennant, hits 304, has 49 knocks, 
141 home runs, 189 runs batted in, and like 18 stolen bases, and he didn't win the MVP? What kind of crack were the writers smoking then? And what do they have against the say, hey, kid, when you see a stat line like that? I mean, they had 189 hits, 141 runs batted in. It's like saying 189 runs batted in. That's like a Lou Gehrig territory. But still, 141 runs batted in, 189 hits compared to, you know, Maury's 208. I don't know. Okay, let's hop on the Zamboni real quick. Take a quick trip around the ice rink of life. A lot of stuff going on in Salt Lake City. You got the A's. Slated the play there, 25, 26, and 27. I guess that park is only 7,500. What's the joke on the internet is, well, that's what they're, you know, the crowds they're basically getting now, so they'll feel at home. But the Jazz owners tell the NHL, hey, they're ready to play. In fact, they're bolted up that they could roll as early as next season if they were given the green light. I have to keep an eye on that. The Oilers are still streaking, 15 in a row as last night, and we told you all way, way back early on last season, in spite of their crappy start, they would be a factor during this season, and they're truly showing it. I think it's cool that the Islanders hired Patrick Waugh, great hire there. I think that's going to really help the, the Islanders in terms of stability and you know, the, the guy's a winner. We all know that from his days in the Nets. Power rankings are pretty much the same. Canucks, Bruins, Jets, Avalanche. There is a difference where the Panthers follow the fifth spot and the Dallas Stars move from seven to five. All right, that's what's going on in the Nightfall of Diamonds and the Ice Rink of Life. We'll be back with a closer look when we return. to an episode of The Scene coming at you. Might have a couple here. We'll have to see what we have in our bag of tricks. Meanwhile, time for our weekly rant session where we editorialize, opinionate, talk a little trash. Closer look. Well, we're going to revisit something we've talked about before in this segment. We've talked about this podcast many times throughout the seven seasons. And it's storming the court, rushing the field after a victory, and why it's way past time to do away with it. I'm not some boomer over here screaming, these kids, they just are too full of themselves and don't know how to act. No, it's not from being an old get-off-my-lawn. This is a safety concern. To the point now, especially with the colleges and all the high energy that comes and the emotion 
old, young, and all like people. You can't trust people, and if you're going to allow it, figure out a way to get the players off the court. Now, whether you thought Miss Clark was doing a little acting and embellishing, whatever the case may be, you know, like I said earlier, it's been, we're very fortunate that she didn't get hurt. All right, but blow that up into the sport or something stupid like that. But the danger that this these uncontrolled moments present, it's no longer acceptable, especially given how valuable these athletes are to their programs or their teams, whatever the case may be. It's just something that is, it's not it's, no, it's not necessary. I mean, you've got teams right right now where, you know, I seen you know, somebody stirring the court for beating a team that was like ranked 18th or 19th, and it's just like, okay, you're downtrodden, but still, is that really a reason for this? You know, they've tried to like institute fines and things like that, yeah, which the money that's being bandied about now, we're talking it's cab fare, right? I mean, it's not. Well, it's just something really punitive, like we talked to earlier in the beautiful game life to put a stop to this. It's not that I'm being a scrooge here. I get, you know, the excitement, you know, pulling off a big win. But I think that given the toxicity that exists with fan bases, and you know, even the scenes after the game, you know, like I was talking about the kid from Pitt who hopped on the st- the scorer's table at Cameron. And got people incited. There's just too many crazy things that can happen here. And we just have to be better about it. You know, yeah, you spend a lot of money, but you know, how bummed out would you be, right, if you've lost one of your favorite players and it costs you a chance to get to the natty or the final four because it's something that could be avoided. Right? Or at least if it is going to exist. Can you figure out a way to like form a barricade and say, okay, you cannot hit the floor until everybody's cleared the, the floor, especially in basketball, even football. And I know that probably requires, requires more security, but there's so much money involved, you can afford it. Just pr- protect your assets, protect the product, and protect everybody else. I just think that there's way too much emotion going on Way too much shit talking, and you know it's it's it was like a hundred M80s waiting to go off, and that's just at this point in time, we don't need that. It makes no sense, and if we didn't have it, would it diminish from the moment? Oh, okay, one less, yeah, you know, one less Instagram snap or Facebook post was like, hey, I'm in the moment. And still do those things without putting anybody at risk. And so, yes, I'm here once again saying it is time for us to do away with storming the court and filth. No need for it. Okay, next point. The kicking game and the analytics madness. We saw kickers have an impact last week and the usual rants from people like Skip Bayless and others about how much of a drag it is that these non-athletic 
soccer style kickers have too much impact on these games. To that I say, dude, lighten lighten the hell up. It adds another element to the game that yeah, it does suck to bust your ass for fifty nine minutes and forty nine seconds to have some guy shank it right or left, but that's the beauty of the game. And as as they say, it's a game of inches and feet at times. And all this heat on the kickers, which like the touchback rule beforehand that I was talking about beforehand, these things happen. This is what makes the game interesting. Now, this idea the game should be perfect, right? That, oh, if Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are, are battling it out, it should not have this improper ending. Well, if life was scripted perfectly, we'd all be millionaires and have the girl or guy of our dreams. <laughs> so... And we know life does never works that way. And that's the beauty of sport. And that's why every time I hear people going on these long tirades about take the kicking out of the game. No. It, it adds that element that not only the outcome, the betting line, it's one of those wonderful things about sport and making it spontaneous and unpredictable. Yeah, gosh, stupid soccer-style kicker. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on it. And the thing that's, that makes it so irrational is, okay, it comes down to a kick, but you don't talk about the seven or eight bonehead penalties, the stupid turnovers, the stupid play calls that put you in that situation. Which puts me on to another point, the whole analytics madness. I'm with those folks who say, enough of this already. You know, I've been a big proponent throughout the span of, of doing these podcasts of these big balls coaches. And it's like, oh, well, the book says this. No, why are you going for it on your 30-yard line? Why are you going for a fake punt? Because the analyst says this is a good spot for it. But common sense tells you, oh, okay. So you're going to give Mahomes the ball at the 30 if somehow you can't get that yard or two. It just makes no sense. And not, I mean, if I'm thinking court disturbance needs to go away, this whole uh, devotion to what the book says based on analytics, that needs to go away. Well, I don't need, I shouldn't say it needs to go away, but there needs to be some common sense or some rational thinking injected here. Right? <laughs> it just it kills me. I'll be watching these games and I'm like, okay, because of the touchback rule, it did not kill Buffalo. But the idea is the game would have been over had Homie not fumbled out of the end zone because you gave Mahomes, even if the Chiefs' offense isn't as prolific as it has been in past years, you're basically giving them too easy of a shot. These guys, these offenses, especially at this time of the year, there's too it's too easy. Unless you're the Chiefs and you get too cute for yourself, but you get what I'm saying. I just it just blows my mind away seeing people go for it on their side of the 40, and even when they're like at the 25 or 26, it's like what the f are you doing? Yeah, you look like a genius. 
when it works, but when it doesn't, you look like a complete dumbass. And for the life of me, I still don't get it. Okay, that's my wrap for this week. Looking forward to championship, conference championship weekend. Back, we'll be talking a lot about that. We come back in the NFL report. It's a TMZ time to get us out of here. Cool. Obviously, still getting used to some of the new toys I've been playing with as far as having some music to lead into the segments. And you know, we're, we're, we're getting through that. We appreciate you bearing with us as we overcome the technical snafus. <laughs> okay, let's talk some NFL report on our way out for a fabulous Friday night. Getting the TGIF in, ushering in another spectacular weekend of sports entertainment. Well, big story, obviously, is the coaching carousel, carousel, along with the games that happened this week, or past week. Jimmy and the Chargers making the deal. The Spanish family saying, we aren't cheap. We are ready to go. It made lots of sense. Obviously, Jim played there, coached at USD at one point, making them relevant. And now having a quarterback and being in L.A., a great facility, and having a pretty decent roster. Obviously, there are some cap issues. But it makes sense. Now, I didn't really get to touch too much on Harbaugh leaving in the 43K view. We'll probably... Get deeper with that next week once Michigan makes us higher. But as far as the NFL is concerned, this is such a big deal. I mean, it just seemed that there's a couple places where it would have made sense. When the Cowboys and Eagles didn't move on Sirianni and McCarthy, it looked more and more like the Los Angeles Chargers would be the place to be. Some of the other openings. I mean, Seattle was a possibility. Now, don't get me wrong there. I can't dismiss that. The Chargers and having Justin Herbert, now we get to see Harbaugh work his magic again. He's everywhere he's been, whether it's Stanford, 49ers, and his previous stint in the NFL, the guy's been a winner. The Chargers don't have a GM, so probably he's going to pick the GM. So he got the power that he wanted. And, well, say what you will about the Spanos clan, Making the controversial move from San Diego to Los Angeles, where they were, San Diego, obviously they were beloved, but a chance to get into a state-of-the-art facility in a bigger market. But even with Jolly Justin and some of the other big names they've had in the Chargers, it doesn't feel like they are part of that market. And now that you have Mr. Harbaugh in the building, 
there's a great chance, even if, even if it's a very tough division with Mahomes, obviously things are going to be happening in Las Vegas with AP, and obviously Sean Payton in Denver. It's not going to be a cakewalk, but we know Harbaugh's track record, and he's got things to work with. This looks like this is going to be a bang-up hire, and it's just going to create a lot of excitement. Getting the chance to trade swords with his brother in Baltimore. Yeah, it's, it's a win-win for, for, for the American football conference. A win-win for the no-fun league. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out. I mean, the other side of this is the story of Justin Herbert. You know, who is obviously, I've said a million times on this podcast, being in Eugene and remembering the first time he stepped on the field for the University of Oregon and being blown away. And I know people still don't believe me around the country. I have these conversations. But I saw in his first series, I said, oh, my God, this guy is so NFL. You know, he is the prototype for this size and uh, right the speed that he possesses, great footwork, incredible arm. And he's definitely been touted without actually doing anything yet. Yeah, he made it to the playoffs, but he was part of a 27-0 collapse. And so there's been a lot of hype, but not a lot of delivery. And so what I guess I'm really getting at here is there are no more excuses. I mean, you now have the guy who's a quarterback whisperer, uh, a major builder of programs. He's been successful anywhere he's been. There's no more excuses for Justin Herbert. And so if we expect to see him in a Super Bowl within the next two to four years. If not, then we've really got to wonder. You know, obviously, the money he's making is going to hurt their cap, and maybe somehow he comes to his senses and gives some of that back in some way so they can continue to add pieces. But there are no more excuses. And this is not a shot at him. This is harsh reality here. Good luck, Justin. You've got everything you need to get to the promised land and show everybody why you're e-liked. The Panthers hire Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales in a move that, I don't know if it moved the needle, didn't have, you know, the usual angry folks, because this guy's got a great track record. Obviously, with the situation with Tepper, that him not going for a high-profile candidate made sense, somebody that's cheap since he's already paying so much money to folks who are no longer part of the organization. But, you know, obviously, turning Baker into a playoff guy, helping Geno, helping Russ Wilson out, this guy... It'll be good for Bryce Young, and hopefully Mr. Tepper stays on the sideline. And another shocking upset, no Belichick in Hotlanta. Instead, Raheem Morris, who once was an interim coach there, gets the job. And from all the talking heads and everybody around the world, woke and non-woke, everybody seems to be happy about this move. Good for him. Nice to see, you know, a person of color, get a second shot, especially when you were 17 and 33 in your first 
go around. Usually that's not the case. But given the respect that Mr. Morris has around the league, sounds good. I mean, the players were all for it. Everyone was. It's kind of weird that now Belichick's probably going to be on the outside looking in. This is Pete Carroll. There's only two vacancies left as far as we can see. And all indications appear that the commanders and the, the Seahawks were really looking at some of these hot shot coordinators that are still in the mix, whether the guy in Baltimore, Ben Johnson, who everybody talks about, you know, Mr. Slovic from Houston. That seems to be where it's going. So Pete and Bill maybe having to sit out a year or maybe completely done from coaching as people are moving away from those who are slightly or definitely long in the tooth. Now, the interesting hire was the was the Titans taking a flyer on Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. This got the talking heads going because they just kind of feel that, yeah, you work with Burrow and you look kind of good with uh, Jake Browning, but why you and why not some of these other folks like a enemy or some other high-profile coordinators of color? Well, I'm not going to say they're wrong in this particular case. But what I am going to say is, given the friction we talked about that Amy, Amy Adams Strunk had with Rabel, probably wanted a lower profile candidate. And obviously, you know, with Will Levis and Malik Willis on the staff, you kind of having somebody that's good with quarterbacks. That's the way they're looking. And also, maybe not having a strong personality, somebody that they can control the way they want the narrative to be. I guess. But I do have to wonder with some of the coordinators out there, you know, especially, you know, the fact that Slovic is still out there and, and the Texans are out of the mix. I would have taken a flyer on him, but who knows? Maybe he said no to him. I'm not sure what went on behind the scenes there. I obviously can see why Bill or Pete wouldn't have been a good fit after the heartache, apparently, that happened between Rabel and the front office. So we'll have to see. The Eagles basically kicked their... Offensive coordinator and offensive coordinator to the curb, uh, which and they keep Sirianni, which is like, huh? But I guess they're basically saying, okay, look, we have a lot of things going here. Yeah, the the roster is getting a little bit older, but you know we've been ten plus wins three years in a row. You pick a couple of scapegoats. Maybe we go to the well and see if we can get some better coordinators to prevent what happened this past season. Although, interviewing Ron Rivera for the defensive coordinator scratched my head, but they ended up going with Fangio, who's bounced around everywhere because he seems to wear out his welcome. And it seems like you could easily get one of his protégés, probably even cheaper than Vic comes. But okay, that's the Eagles for you. Another interesting move. The Raiders now with AP as their head coach, 
They go for recently deposed Chargers general manager Tom Delesco, which, okay, I mean, the Chargers have been underachieving. I know this guy has a good rep with a lot of folks. I mean, he's like buddies with Colin and stuff. And, yeah, okay, I, I'm not that excited about it. But this is the Raiders, so we'll have to see. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So was the foxhole on target in the divisional round for the second year? Yeah, I seem to get the divisional round right. I mean, even got close with some of the numbers. Not quite there, but pretty much guessed the outcomes. Right, so... Let's go. Let, let's take a quick look. I mean, LG and the Ravens and the Texans joyride. Yeah, I mean, I, I what did I say originally? I thought it was going to be, you know, <coughs> 34 26. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, it was a tight game at the half. And then, yeah, the Ravens defense and Lamar, I just took it over and made the Texans look like. Hey, baby, you've come a long way, but you've still got a long ways to go. I mean, completely outclassed, and the Ravens showing why they've been the class of the league during the second half of the season. Uh, yeah, not much more you could say about that. Just very impressive second half by the Ravens. Over in San Francisco, Purdy and company survived a very strong challenge from the, from the Packers. I had that 27-20. But it ended up being 27-24, so I was pretty close there. I thought for the most part, as most folks that watched the game, that the Packers were definitely the better team. But when it was money time, the 49ers defense and Mr. Purdy stepped up and got it done and lived to play another week. You know, like that love was great, but when it was money time time to deliver, he fizzled, and we're sure he'll learn from that experience. And yes, the Packers are very dangerous, and as I saw, little Wayne said he cried because he was at the game. You know, he was hanging out with Steve Young and guys like, you know, Charles Haley and stuff like that, Ricky Waters, having a good time. But yeah, he said he cried, and I mean, you know, that's, I understand that. You know, it was a hell of an effort. It was theirs for the taking. The kicker factored in, into that, obviously. But in the end, you know, it was a just result. Right? You had your opportunities. You couldn't capitalize. The 49ers, despite of, you know, Debo getting hurt, and there's some questions of whether he'll play this week or not. And I think that was a big factor in why it was as close as it turned out to be. Yeah, had, the 49ers showed the mark of a, of a champion or a champion, you know, coming. So we'll see what happens. The Lions smoked the Baker Bowl all the way to Santa Clara. They also signed Zach Ertz to help them out this week. Yeah, what can I say about this? Yeah, the, I was wondering about this game. I had it 32-26. It ended up being 31-23. So I was pretty close there, too. Dot. The bucket that the Lions took control of the game in the second half. I know that Baker and company didn't go away. The analytics thing coming in once again. We're going for two when you didn't have to. But you know, what? Baker threw the pick, which pretty much sealed their fate. And you know, kudos to the Bucks for keeping it interesting. But the Lions' incredible story continues. 
That's right. Various America's pulling for them like they did the Saints after Katrina, after Katrina when they won their Super Bowl. America always loves an underdog, and especially what the folks in Detroit have gone through since 1957 and that elusive hope to be a champion. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to poo-poo too much on that. It was a quality game, but I thought the Lions took control in the second half, and just to me, it was never in doubt. Yeah. I wonder if the Bucks bring back Baker and Mike Evans. I think so. You run it back with Bowles and company, figure out how to move the money around and whatever has to happen. But, yeah, it makes sense. You know, the players seem to do that, but I think bringing those two back would be essential and then somehow find other ways to solidify yourself because you're definitely we're in a position to make that game far more interesting than Lions fans probably <laughs> care to admit but it didn't happen but that also tells you that when I get back again you may have a different outcome in the 2024 season yeah okay and then the big one the ghost of Scott Norwood running high again as Buffalo falls on a heartbreaker. Yeah, I, you know, what can I say about the, about the Bills Mafia? It's tough. You know, the Vikings can tell you about it. You already know from the Jim Kelly Thurmanator days. Yeah, it sucks to be you. And that's what exactly Josh Allen said. It just sucks. What can you say about what they did? You know, I know some people have been critical of them. But you lost to a team that is going to its sixth straight conference championship game. This is the hallmark of a winner, and they know how to get it done. And the Holmes, he's on on that Brady pace. I mean, I think that he historically it's stacking up. He somehow gets this one. It's not going to be easy with going to Lamar, but you know what? He did it on the road. And what you might say about the Chiefs taking a step back, here they are, where they've been for six straight years. You know, it, it sucks for the Bills, but hey, the Chiefs, they got the heartbeat of a champion. Okay, let's get to the Foxhole picks for conference championship weekend. Let's start out with the 49ers and the Lions. Well, you know, I've been, the Lions have gone a lot further than I thought they would. But I think the road ends here. I do not see them winning on grass in San Francisco. And from the groundskeeper, I let it grow a bit this week. And I make the track a little soggy to slow down all those talent, especially players the Lions have. But in this particular case, I see the 49ers winning 32-19. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm seeing. I think in spite of... Some of the Niners' red flags, and especially the way their defense looked against the run, but that I think people who are harping on that don't understand how good the Packers looked in the second half of the season. What they did to the Cowboys was not an outlier. The Cowboys, in spite of what we may say, was not a dog shit team, and the Packers sliced and diced them and gave the 49ers all they want. And this is a Packers team that did what they wanted pretty much with the Lions. So, you know, like I think, you know, without it being rainy like it was the past Saturday, I do see the 49ers having their way. 
Over in the AFC, oh man, this is a tough one. You know, Lamar, this is his moment. It really is. You know, we've always talked about his playoff record and him not having any money in his wallet. And that was, a, as I said earlier, it was a hell of a second half disposing of the Texans. Whew. So, okay, I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. I just feel that the Ravens have been the class of the league. And Andrews is coming back. And I still think somehow Magic Mahomes gives T. Sizzle and Britt Mahomes one more reason to party. And somehow they pull out an improbable 28-24 win. Yeah, it just somehow I see the Chiefs winning this game, even though common sense tells me I should like the Ravens at home. But I just feel the Chiefs want to add a back-to-back fill terms of Mahomes, where he's going to stand in history, this is a major moment here. They lose, no, nothing bad as far as his legacy goes. I don't think even with Lamar, as people pointed out earlier on TV, he's got many years to go as well. Obviously, Elway lost a couple of Super Bowls. He lost like three before actually, or two, whatever. I can't remember what the number is. Anyways, yeah, Elway had his problems. Yeah, it was three Super Bowls now thinking about it. And we don't look at the three Super Bowls he lost. We look at the two that he won. And that Lamar's day will probably come because the Ravens are an incredible organization. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. Okay, let's get to the stainless steel bowls of the smelly varieties that come in regular, complimentary, and XL sizes. It's TMCA time. Okay, this is just an XL. It goes to the conferences that can't address the court drilling problem. I mean, what I saw initially, I thought it was far worse than it turned out to be with Caitlin Clark. Oh, you know, that had been, if she had been taken out, what a drag that would have been. Yeah, you all get an XL for not dealing with this. This has been on the table for years and years, and we keep coming up against these problems. So that's easily an XL to any conferences that still can't get this problem under control. I'm going to give complimentaries out to the Bills. Their fans were throwing snowballs. Right, just being shitbags. Hey, you had no money in your wallet. I'm going to give the Bills organization, if this is true, I'll rescind it and make it a complimentary. If not, but I'm going to give them an XL, the organization, for shutting off the hot water when the Chiefs players were showering post-game. Come on, be better than that. Just have some money in your wallet and get it done. Don't be, don't be assholes. Complimentaries go out to the U.S. soccer peanut gallery for being themselves. Being salty and just complaining about MLS, you, the, the U.S. soccer, U.S. men's team, and losing a friendly where we didn't have our top guns and just being jerks, fighting with anybody they can on the internet. Man, go out and get laid. Go out and drink some Bushmills or something like that and get your frustrations out another way. Complimentaries go around to the Commanders fan base. Yeah, if you follow Commanders social media, right, you got 
These folks that are living in the past, holding on to their Redskins wet dream. Other folks finding every reason to be critical about the Adam Peters hire, which from all indications looks to be a home run. Can you just be happy for five minutes that Daniel Snyder is gone and there is a pathway to better days instead of sitting here whining about things that are not in your control? Yeah, complimentaries all the way around. Two XLs go out to Alyssa Milano. Yeah, that's right. You ain't the boss, girl. Setting up a GoFundMe for her son's travel team so they can play in a, a Field of Dreams tournament back east. What bothers me about this, you know, it's a GoFundMe for 10 grand. It's like, come on, man. Just have some of your folks play a high-stakes poker game at your house and throw a party and toss the hat around and race it. Don't be hitting up the common folks when you, somebody like yourself probably could flip the bill yourself. Oh, and I want to get the community engaged. It's like, come on, man. Such a terrible look. Um, I'm going to give an XL to Colorado because I haven't picked on them in a while. And, you know, I love picking on the Buffaloes. For having more violations than wins, they've picked up some more NCAA violations as far as going up awry of some of the social media rules. But basically, they've got more infractions than they had wins. And you never want that to be the case, given how much smoke you guys blow out of your bowl. Okay. I'm going to give like a major XL to all the Facebook pages put out false information to incite certain groups of people. I think I mentioned it earlier, the whole thing that was supposedly attributed to, to Ryan Day. All the things that Jordan supposedly says about LeBron to certain uh, right-leading sites. They're like, yeah, see, I told you Jordan wasn't woke. It's like, you know damn well Jordan ain't got time for any of this nonsense. Just stop it. And of course, all these people sitting at home angry because they can't live their best lives, can't wait to hop on the keyboard and start spewing like, yeah, one more reason to show how woke the world is, ready to push back on it. No problem when it's legit, but 90% of the time it's not. Okay, lastly, gotta give an XL to Luca for being soft and apologizing. If you're gonna sit there and get the guy ejected for... Saying whatever, and I think it was more than getting off your lazy ass and get on a treadmill. I'm sure, there was more to it. But don't backtrack and say, I apologize to you, blah, blah, blah. The guy was being a dick. He was being a dick. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Oh, you're killing me out here, folks. All right, folks. Well, 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 we are cruising through two episodes in the se in the season seven, 194. Getting closer to the Magic 200. So we've got some cool things coming scene-wise, I believe. We've got a big interview this week. We're looking forward to that. Obviously, Conference Championship weekend. A lot of crazy stuff going on pitch side. Golf's heating up. Almost ready to get back to the cars, and hopefully we'll get the corner man back for some action. Anyways, be safe and sane. Enjoy some adult beverages and enjoy all the fun sports you can this weekend because it's going to be a good one. Till then, keep it clean, keep it real, keep it tight.